Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Common Theologian, where we have common conversations about God. My name is Krista Ewart, and I am here today with Ben Ben Ewart. (laughs) Here I am. I keep turning up just like a bad penny. (laughs) Today, we are going to be diving into the book of John. We did an intro for the book of John, along with a few ground rules for the discussion here. Um, But we're going to dive right into verses 1 through 18 of chapter 1 today. Sounds good. We thought that we would start with reading the passage all the way through, and then we'll get into discussion. So the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. Which version are you reading from? Oh, thank you. I'm reading from the ESV version. It is my personal favorite. I apologize. It is not anglicized, so it is North American English, not UK English, but hopefully you can still understand it. Okay, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So John starts off by saying, in the beginning was the word. Now we've seen these words before. If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, 1 to 2 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So if we take these two verses along with John 1.1, 1, 1, we know that word, the Word and the Spirit must be of the same entity. And this can be a little bit confusing as we teeter on the edge of Trinitarian theology. Or for um, Trinitarian theology is that 
God is three parts. He is the father who I would argue most refer to as God. He is the son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, which is this nebulous being that a lot of people aren't really sure what to do with. Nebulous to us, but in a lot of, in some other traditions, maybe people engage with the Holy Spirit more. Yeah, that's entirely true. I I see this this pen stroke of John of referring drawing that parallel to the beginning of Genesis as a sign of his poetic nature and his effort to create a canvas for the big the big story the big picture and so whereas other gospels begin in Bethlehem John goes back to the very beginning echoing the Jewish Jewish text that he was probably raised with. I could see how somebody might be a little bit confused by this because in Genesis, he, um, the author is talking about the spirit, whereas here John is using the term word. And the term word is referring to Jesus. And I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts as to why John used the word word for Jesus. A word. Word. Yes, <laughs> yes I do have thoughts on that. I feel like I should make a disclaimer and just say that I very much do come to this um, topic and all these these things that we're talking about from a layperson's point of view. Um, but in my reflection and a uh, little bit of the bit of theological training that I've had, um, I've come back to the passage that talks about all things being created um, through Christ. Uh, without him, nothing was made that was made. And so that's where I would make the connection between the word of God. He was the word at the beginning, huh? like that modern praise and worship song says. He was the word at the beginning, um, working together with God and God God the Father, creating things through Christ and and also in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. Um, Psalm 8, or Proverbs 8, talks about wisdom being there at the beginning with God and uh, delighting in his works and delighting to work together with God. And I think those those things um, form a, uh, give us a better picture of perhaps how it came about, this collaborative, creative relationship. But why word? Like, it... it well, because... I, I mean, I couldn't say this is exactly why, but I could imagine that... You didn't know John? I didn't know John. We weren't we weren't tight. <laughs> we were not tight. <laughs> Where am I going? I could imagine that um, in the narrative of Genesis, it talks about words. The words that are used are God um, said, "Let there be this," or God said, "Let there be that," and so that the power I've formed this picture in my mind: the power of God's word, perhaps speaking of Christ things being created through him, um, launched this expansion of creation, basically. It's very artistic, and I feel like this pen stroke just demonstrates John's poetic nature, and it's probably resonant with the texts of his Jewish upbringing. But I also feel like it's more than just a poetic gesture, and it brings out an important aspect of the story of Jesus. Because why would God create man in the first place if he would just have to sacrifice his son later in order to save creation? And in 
the season of Lent, I was reading a book called Saying Yes to Life by Ruth Valerio. It was the Archbishop's book for Lent, not written by the Archbishop, but commissioned by the Archbishop. Anyway, um, anyway, she points out that since God was there in the beginning, he occupied all space and time. So there was a void and the only thing that was there was God. And so God had to make space in himself for creation, for us. Um, and so if this is true, and within my belief of God and the creation of the world, I believe it to be so, this completely changes our posture or position of us to God. So many people um, view us as here on earth and God is like a distant deity and his engagement with us varies according to a person's belief. Some people believe that God is like a clockmaker. He just set everything motion, set, set the world spinning and left it to spin. Um, some people believe that he exists, but he just is not involved at all. Um, but if this is true, this concept of God making space in himself, it means that we are actually within God and he had to make space in himself for us. So therefore, we are an extension of him. And if you go by um, the idea of Imago Dei, which you know, means we're made in the image of God, um, then that makes a lot of sense. And in sending Jesus, he is saving his intimate creation, which he holds in himself. And I'm just wondering if you, if you've ever thought about creation that way or our relationship to God in that way, um, maybe you totally disagree with that. Uh, I haven't thought about it in terms of God making space within himself which is an interest is really interesting i've never dwelt on that kind of concept before and i think that perhaps it leads you in fruitful directions and could also lead you in some dangerous directions as well if you um depending on your outworking of that how you view then uh fallen humanity our our broken nature the sinful world and how that works if we're all still "Quote unquote within God, I think there's there's definitely a separation that happens there, um, and obviously in some way God allowed for that separation to to happen in terms of the free will of of mankind, uh, humankind. But um, it is it's a very interesting way to think about it because I think it it highlights this idea that actually God is closer than we imagine. One thing that N.T. Wright talks about kind of tangentially in some of his talks. Anti Wright is a former Bishop of Durham and um, New Testament scholar. Speaks about this idea that actually heaven and earth are very close to each other in some way. That it's not that heaven is so far away um, somewhere out there and God is not a clockmaker that just left the, the machine running but is actually very close, very much closer to, to where we are and Paul, in his um, his speech to the Athenians in the Book of Acts, talks about uh, God being closer. What's the line? He's much closer than we imagine, or something like that. I can't remember what the exact line is. I don't have so Acts memorized. I don't know. Yeah, well, he's speaking to. He's addressing the idol that he saw in there in Athens, the unknown god, 
and he um, says something to the effect of he's nearer to us than we than we imagine. That's a lot to chew on. I feel like right there that could be one episode, but if that were the case, it would actually take me about 10 years to get through the book of John. So let's go a little bit further. And uh, verse six, uh, enter John the Baptist. And here I think we come to understand a bit more about why John refers to Jesus as the word. It is to create this continuity between the truth and John the Baptist bearing witness to the truth. So I would argue that he's using the word word. Uh, I feel like saying the word bird, um, which is, is (laughs) bird is the word. (laughs) Tip my hat to Fred Penner. But anyway, um, the... (laughs) I just think of family guy when I hear that. (laughs) <laughs> Did Fred Penner do something? <laughs> yeah, the word bird. <laughs> okay. We're children of the <laughs> 80s. Okay, and 90s. Um, anyway, so John the Baptist was bearing witness to the truth, the truth being the word. And just to be clear, John the Baptist is not the John that is writing the book of John. I just did the mind-blown motion. It's a lot. Those on the podcast. You can read about John the Baptist and his birth, uh, the foretelling of his birth in Luke chapter 1. Amazing story. Carry on. Great story. Um, But John uses two key concepts. John the author, not John the Baptist. John the disciple. John the disciple. uh, Throughout the book and basically lays his cards out on the table at the very start of the book. So he, the two concepts are light and word. The word word was used a lot by Jesus as if it relates to his disciples knowing, and I love the word he uses here, abides in him. So later he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And it also says that John the Baptist was sent to bear witness about the light. So he's bearing witness about the light and he's bearing witness about the truth. In John 18, 12 to 20, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So again, as we go throughout the the rest of the 18 verses that we're talking about here, I love how many times John lays out exactly what he's doing. He's talking about the purpose. So in this case, the purpose of the light gives light to the world or the word gives truth to everyone. Um, the place of Jesus' existence It's in the world. It's not far away. It's not in some distant land. It's in the world where he is. His relationship to the world, the world was made through him. And then the problem, the world did not know him. So I feel like he sets up the story pretty well here, which is a bit of a strange uh, strategy when you're writing a book. Well, I think that it's, it's almost like a, I could be wrong again. I'm not keep apologizing for myself. You don't need to apologize because that's a great thing about this podcast and this these posts is that I'm hoping people are listening who don't have a background of Bible college or theological training so we can just talk plainly about what the Bible says and what we think about it and things that might sound strange or things we have questions about. Well, I'm Canadian, so I will always apologize. <laughs> Uh, but further to that, we can always be refuted by people in the comments section. I'm sure there will be. I hope there will be. Uh, refute. Um, 
I'm Fact sure check. we're making dro- uh, making mistakes, but it's okay. Okay, so then we come to verse 12. We're, we're closing in on the end of our section here. And verse 12 is, again, the clincher. He says exactly what his purpose is in this book. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Boom. That's not how mic drop goes. <laughs> I don't think a mic drop sounds like that. I think it sounds more like... <laughs> All right. Um, and then verses 14 to 18, John lays it out again for that third time. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I want to close off this podcast uh, just talking a little bit about grace. When John wrote this, grace was a radically new concept. And prior to Christ, Jews had to abide by the Jewish law, which can basically be summed up in the Ten Commandments, but there's a lot more to it than that. And every time a law was broken, a sacrifice had to be made. Kind of like a swear jar, if you have a swear jar in your house, but worse. So this... Well, I... (laughs) I might have to disagree with you on that point. Can I just jump Okay, in? but I'm like bringing it down to okay, the most basic here, level. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just throw one little thought bubble in there for us to consider is that I think if you look through the Old Testament, you read through the Old Testament, which is uh, where the, the law is, is played out and developed, recorded as being given and all that kind of thing in the early books of the, the Old Testament, I think there is actually a, a a crazy amount of that's a technical term, a crazy amount of grace that is there already, um, because it's it's not just cut and dried. And I think that we as Christians now tend to view Old Testament law totally rigid, and you know there's no grace there. But actually, I believe there was a lot of grace, um, but it all points towards Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jesus I was going to say you're kind of killing John's vibe like the climax of Oh, sorry. Of what he's going to say. Sorry, I jumped ahead. Yeah. But all that to say, um when Jesus died on the cross, he was making the ultimate sacrifice. However you want to view that theology of atonement, um in my very simple mind, I say he broke the swear jar. Um, (laughs) and atoned for all the broken laws and the brokenness of humanity. But we're going to read a whole lot more about that. And so when John says that grace and truth came through Jesus, just know that that's sort of where we're headed with that, that statement. I hope that has given you a few things to think about just in those few, um, first 18 verses and, Stay tuned for our next episode on the book of John. Uh, We'll dive in a little bit deeper and maybe eventually get to the theology of atonement. But I might have to bring in a guest for that one. (laughs) Probably going to have to bring in a guest. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, you might have to bring in uh, an actual theologian. An actual theologian. Can break that down into layman's terms. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I hope that you can take away some bites to chew on and some things to think about. If you did like this 
podcast slash post. Please like and share. And for more posts, you can visit www.thecommontheologian.com. Thanks so much. Bye.